Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm here this morning, because as usual, Aiden. As it goes, Arsenal taking on Everton, last game of this season. Slight glimmer of hope um, of top four, which kind of made at least somewhat interesting. And, you know, the title race also culminating like that. I mean, I was watching so many different screens at one point, just trying to see what was going on everywhere. I mean, going into the match, I mean, you could feel as much as... Uh... You know, the club were trying to keep things upbeat, you know, in the stadium when they were first crossing over the with the players already in the new, you know, training garb for next season. Um, the feeling felt like, oh, this, the, you know, as much as the club were trying to get things a bit upbeat, I felt, you know, the, the Emirates was feeling very flat, you know, leading up to the game. Uh, you know, with the club trying, trying to almost like keep a strong face in the face of uh, adversity. Um, you know, speaking now for myself, um, um, leading up to the game, about like 48 hours before the match, um, I actually kind of came to a certain point where I was like made peace with myself, like with ending fifth and, you know, Europa League uh, finish. So, I mean, so I, mean, like, I went almost, like, into the game already with a more realistic way than... And I mean, the way you probably were feeling was, you know, there's still hope. You know, there's that scene of Jim Carrey in, in, in what is it, Dumb and Dumber, when he puts it, so there's still a chance I can get in there. <laughs> uh, look, I also made peace. Remember, I was also telling you, you know, we don't deserve Champions League and we're Europa League. We're like a Europa League club at the moment. <laughs> we have no business playing against, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich. You know, we we just don't have that expected to be playing there. I think we would get punished by even AC Milan who now won the Italian league. So, you know, Arsenal is to be a team in the Champions League coming up against, you know, you could say 80% of the squad, the teams and would, you know, hold their own. But it was just like the Bayerns and Barca's who would brush us aside quite easily. So, but that being said, you know, going in, I had that, you know, not, not that, I believe we would do it, but it's like glimmer of hope because, you know, football, at any point, you know, Tottenham gets a red card in the first 10 minutes, you know, penalty, red card, 1-0 down and they're chasing a game, but, you know, just, I just focused on just how the team was going to perform, but, you know, as well, my heart wasn't, not not fully there, but like, you know, there's already, there wasn't that pumped up excitement I had leading up to this, you know, Spurs and Newcastle game. I mean, uh, to be honest, they had a very much um, a testimonial feel to it. Yes. Like, the weather, like you saw things happening, and you know, Everton were already, you know, by that by the time of, of uh, kickoff, they already knew that they were safe and that, like, for another season in the Premier League. So, yeah, the game kicks off. Um, immediately, Martinelli surges on the left flank, uh, gets the ball across to the byline to whip in across. But, I mean, of course, there's nobody really in the box. And, I mean, everything managed to clear. Then, fourth minute, uh, Cedric collects the ball on the edge of the area. Uh, you know, you want to have a, a sort of cross into the box since there were now this time Arsenal bodies there. But, I mean, uh, I mean, he just sees a sea of blue in front of him. And, I mean, his cross ends up crashing into a couple of bodies. Yeah. You know, this team, this is a, a, a real presence in the box. Because, I mean, it, it, it's been almost the same old, same old putting in the box and no one there. And, like you said... Um, Everton at the moment were also probably on holiday, some of their players, you know, it's like two days before 
summer vacation for them. So they weren't really, you know, there. It was just kind of allowing Arsenal to dictate and, you know, do what you want. Yeah. Then fifth minute, uh, Tavares gets into the box, uh, whoops, a flat low cross. Odegaard uh, manages to pull the trigger, but I mean, the centre-back, Branthwaite, he ends up getting his body to deflect the ball away. Then the 11th minute, Eden Ketia fires a shot, which is kind of deflected into the path of uh, Martinelli, who shoots at goal, but I mean, Begovic makes himself big to smother the chance. I think he should have done better there. I mean, you know, for yeah. Martinelli, he needs, to, he needs to, to really up his figures, you know, to be to contribute more with the goals. And sometimes it just feels... You know, those, those those kind of shots where he needs to just calm his mind, he kind of fluffs that, but those those reactive or react, quick reaction shots, he does very well at it. I mean, it drives me crazy. I mean, when you see the sort of finishing that, that sometimes he attempts, uh, Smith Rowe also is another one guilty of it, where all they have to do is just place it left or right of the keeper, and they try to almost like half bullet shot the ball right to the keeper. I mean, it's not going to work. Like it. You, you're just making it... Easier for the keeper? Yeah, I know, definitely. So, uh, 20th minute, uh, one of those points that actually jotted down was, um, it was also like a very frustrating thing to, to see, you know, Arsenal with this sort of domination, where, and this sort of attitude uh, and spirit when, you know, when it really should have actually mattered like two, yeah. three games ago. Like, where was that, that, that sort of attitude going because I mean now with almost like nothing really to play for with uh fifth release that you know it was like settled uh we were almost like now trying to dominate and I mean this I was actually wishing we saw a bit of this sort of performance against Spurs that sort of performance away at Newcastle. And then I mean then I don't care how this guy would have panned out then. Yes I I agree hundred percent to the because if you had to play like this, I mean even you know, three quarters of this performance I would did against Everton, surely you would have rocked Newcastle. But, I mean, it's, it's like this Arsenal side, I mean, we've seen it prior to even this. I don't know how we're going to get this mentality out of the club, but we've even seen under Wenger, uh, when there's no pressure on Arsenal, they thrive. They will beat Liverpool and Liverpool are champions, you know, 2-1. There's nothing on the line. But the moment there's, there's things at stake, this team just crumbles, and, and I mean, it was quite evident to see like the contrasting performance. Like you said, the, the opening exchanges were between Spurs, Newcastle, and Everton. And this is something I mean, you you bring up a good point because I think look, like, this is something that's been almost like hanging over like a dark cloud years now. Where people always bring it up. I mean, I just always try to throw shade to it, like not really take note of, of, of that, that sort of remarks being made. But it, I mean, it is through Arsenal really turn up when all that pressure is really off them. Then you can see them, uh, you know, putting teams to the sword, getting the, the results, even against big teams. And, but yeah. I mean, it, it counts almost like literally to nothing because for me, all that hard work, I mean, I'm trying to just hop back on it. But for me, when I think you go to Stamford Bridge, yeah. you get the, the, the points there. You get the win over United, you even get a, a win over a stubborn, like a West Ham side. Yes. And then you want like throw it away in a matter of like what five five days? Yes. Everything just, just dis- disappears. Yeah. I mean you 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 like you said, the tough the hard work was done. Man City and Liverpool both lost away at West Ham. I mean that just shows that that grit that we had against West Ham. I mean, you know, Spurs 
was should have maybe done better. Stupid red card, you know, players losing their head. Fine, shake it off and you move to Newcastle. But, you know, they exhibited that same performance, got put to the sword, and now they came against Everton. They are playing like, you know, a team that could perform in the Champions League. And I mean, these, uh, and, like, I mean, it's like a side note, actually, but also part of this, what you're talking about now, I mean, this wins and losses that, that, that go on a yeah. sort of short cycle where you got, like, three on the bounce, then, like, three losses on the bounce, then, again, three uh, wins, then two losses on the bounce. I mean, the way that that, that sort of erratic form is going to be the killer of us. I mean, like every season you have that sort of... Uh, of of run by Arsenal, and I mean, we need to get some sort of consistency. I mean, we nag about it constantly, but I mean, you just don't see it, or you hear the the players uh, will complain in the media, but they allow themselves to get in, in these sort of situations because uh, something that you always mention in, in in some of our defeats this season or this past season, it's like when we go go down, you actually don't know where you stand. In. I mean. Then all of a sudden the draw becomes something that you're almost like begging for, but did they actually make it even worse and they can't see the second or third or, or, yeah. or they just don't look up for up at the races really. And and you hundred percent correct to that. And we, we never turned losses into draws. I know it's not always good yeah. to draw, and you know, we complained at a certain point we were drawing a lot, you know, previous seasons, but now it would have been crucial. Imagine turning Brighton's game, you know, instead of losing, drawing two two at home, and you draw maybe one one against um against Crystal, well, not Crystal Palace, against Southampton. That's an extra two points. We fall two points short of Spurs. Then you look through the season, you know, Burnley at home. We should have beaten Burnley at home. Burnley got relegated. I mean, that's an additional two more points. You look at yourself. That's top four. I mean, even Brighton away. I know it was a tough game at that point, but you know. We drew there, but maybe that could have turned into a win. So you're looking at the season and asking yourself, you know, Everton as well at Goodison Park. We had chances there. Bamiang missed a, a golden opportunity. Um, you know, Eddie and Ketia hit the post when you were 1-0 up. It's all these small margins where we could have turned wins into, I mean, draws into wins and losses into draws where we could have been singing a different team this season. The way the season has gone so crazy for Arsenal is like, I'm not just looking at the table quickly. I mean, Arsenal with the 38 games, 13 losses. Then you got a team like Brighton in ninth, 38 games, and they got 11 losses. Because oh. they, because normally they potter and they manage to get them, you know, the draw and not even that gets them kind of over the line. And you actually wonder how many, even a few draws instead of all those losses where they could have taken us as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. <sighs> Yeah, so then 30, uh, sorry, 23rd minute, Martinelli collects uh, Cedric Cross. Uh, he ends up shooting the ball at, at the Everton goal. The ball gets kind of blocked by Iwobi. Um, the Arsenal players, of course, all animated uh, Arsenal for handball. And then, of course, in the next break in play, Andre Mar- Mariner is told in by VAR to go check the monitor. He does, and a, a spot kick is given for Arsenal. Yeah, no complaints there. You could see that movement of his arm and. If I had to be on the receiving end of it, I would have accepted, you know, that it's a penalty. Was surprised to see that Saka never stepped up and Martinelli did. Do you think there was any, uh, did you hear anything or what was the reasoning behind this? Or was Martinelli <laughs> always maybe the number one taker? No, uh, I, just, I just think it was, uh, like, I mean, of course, this one commentator was 
just saying it like a random comment, but you said it was almost like he just wanted to boost his goal tally numbers because, look, he's been stuck on that, what was it, four or five goals for, I don't know how long, uh, Martinelli. So he's been on a real dry run for quite a while now for Arsenal. So, you know, he needed something. But I mean, he ends up stepping up and he sends uh, Begovic the wrong way. 1-0 Arsenal. Yeah, you know, I just... I just kind of did like a small first bump. It wasn't that, you know, animated <laughs> as I was at certain point in the season. I gave almost like that snobbish two-hand clap, two, two-time <laughs> clap. <laughs> I didn't have that much energy for, for what I was now watching. Because as I said, felt very much like an end-of-season testimonial. Um, then 31st minute, uh, four minutes later, uh, Odegaard, uh, ends up taking an Arsenal corner balls flicked on by Martinelli at the near, pl- near post and Indian Ketia darts in and glances the ball past Begovic 2-0 Arsenal yeah and, and you just thought okay you know like as they're scoring these goals and um, I, I feel a bit of anger inside <laughs> of me like and I'm just asking myself like why now like why now I'm sure if they were to be fresh on this game this goals wouldn't have been flowing like this because I mean, you could hear the crowd also just, yeah, and then it died down like that. Just like... And we were celebrating like we, you know, won the Champions League every time we were scoring, like we were going up. crazy. Like you would swear that Tottenham were losing 4-0 to Norwich. Yeah. Then um, 33rd minute, a goalmouth scramble in the Everton box. Uh, oh, nearly makes it 3-0 for Arsenal. I mean, <laughs> Everton really look on the ropes because... I was, in a way, I was also hoping that, that there was like some sort of uh, competitiveness to it. I mean, of course, I'm not saying we must have dominators and we, you know, <laughs> really suck on a, on, a, on a home performance. But I mean, 39 minutes, Everton then do start coming out more to the show. Uh, Damari Gray ends up firing the ball over. I think he's also too easy with the shot. Um, also, for me, the last five minutes as we approached halftime, started getting more sloppy, and the you know the various sort of issues that you brought up early on in the season that you you don't get the concentration levels the way it just drops short. Like you go from a say <laughs> forty minutes of domination or thirty eight minutes of domination, and then you get like that that last five minutes and you just see the one like just hanging on because they're trying to get too cocky with the ball at their feet and and. All of a sudden, Everton kind of get a, a, a short burst of a second wind. Um, Saka ends up, end up uh, taking a shot, just flies over. And then as we approach half, I'm thinking, OK, we're going to go in that 2-0 down. Arsenal again lose cheap possession. The sub Calvert-Lewin plays a 1-2 with Iwobi, and Calvert-Lewin ends up playing a nice low cross to Van der Beek, and he steers the ball on 2-1. Sure. You know, it's just kind of, it's just maybe more angry. It's like, are you serious? Everything, like they were sleepwalking yeah, yeah. most of this game, and now they managed to, you know, make it 2 1. It's just oh. taken off. Um, you know, Everton did look again more on the front foot. And I think even the commentator was saying, you know, Arsenal really need to start getting their foot on the ball and, and try to win back that sort of dominate, uh, domination again in the match. But I mean, that took about another so four, five, ten minutes, and then Arsenal, you know, start taking the, you know, the pressure again, or start putting pressure on Everton again. The start of Harris wins the ball. Uh, he does. I mean, it's fine work from the winning of the ball to the dribbling, and then he gets to the edge of the box and he lets fly. And I mean, his shooting is woeful. <laughs> I mean, the row, upper row Z or something. The way he lets fly with a shot. 
Then 56 minutes, uh, Saka takes a quick uh, corner. Uh, Everton seems for what, like really fast asleep. Cedric just ends up prodding down into the Everton box, and I mean, he ends up hitting a pass shot, and the ball goes into the net. I mean, I think it's really coming, and it's 3 1 Arsenal. Yeah, I see, and, and you know, the, the, my blood boils a bit more, you know, it's more, <laughs> every time it's like, really? You guys, we were the sit piece against Newcastle, it was nothing. Yeah. Then, for the 59th minute, just to get your blood boiling more, uh, from an Arsenal corner, again, Everton failed to clear, Cedric sends the ball back into the mixer, Gabriel ends up beating the offside trap, and then he ends up smashing the ball past Begovic, 4-1 Arsenal. <laughs> Yeah, running away with this game, and like you said, making it look like shooting practice. And you know, while it was four one, I looked at the Norwich game, and it was like three or four in all that time. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to focus on watching the the Premier League title race. And I think at this point, Villa were two 0 up against Man City, so all happening and top four basically done and dusted. But Arsenal, you know, keep on going and celebrating these goals. Like, um, it's, it's, I mean. I, I, I can't believe how the play. I know this is wrong. I, mean, no, no, I, I felt like for that, I felt a, a bit embarrassed because I was fully for that, though. You know, the way we were going on at the Wolves at the Emirates. Um, you know, the games against Chelsea at, at Stamford Bridge and, and post Man United. And I loved it. But I mean, that, to see it now with, <laughs> I mean, you've got five, fifth locked and loaded. I mean, there's nothing really to go on about. But yet you you busy looking for your family in the stands and making hearts and all that with your fingers. Yeah, I fully get your your pain. So um, yeah, so also end up making like a flurry of subs over the next uh, like half hour, where they bring on the Congo for Jaka in 63rd minute, 67th minute they bring on Lacazette from Ketia. I think it was more like a a sort of kind of like you know a send off for him. Um, then of course Pepe. Came on for Saka, I think also probably the last we see of Pepe. Um, what was your take? I mean, I, the thing that I've heard so far, like, I mean, I was listening to um, Ask Blog the other day, and, and I think that Gunner Blog, he was mentioning something about, um, like, he's feeling, uh, like, you know, with, with watching the match, he, he kind of had a sense that, that, you know, it could be Xhaka that's also another one that leaves in the summer. So this was El Nini now signing that extra year contract, and we like you know actively involved in in, in looking for uh, almost like another partner for uh, Thomas Party. They just a lot of people also. I mean, not just not kind of block, but I mean I've heard other fans also talking about where it only like you have a sort of sense that he got us into Europe and that, and uh, you know he's not probably did now he share and, and he probably wants another challenge again. Oh, it'll be quite interesting to see what happens yeah. there. I mean, with the with the, the signing of Alneni's contract, the thing is Alneni is a type of guy who's happy to come in when needed and play the odd games in Europe and cup games. But yeah. a guy like Xhaka is somebody that, you know, wants to be part of, you know, every minute of every game or, yeah. you know, be part of the important game. So it will be very tricky once Tiller, if, if we do sign a guy like Tillemans and parties fit, but for me, like, you know, if you're not going to sign another, you know, top midfielder with Tillemans, you may need to keep Xhaka because Party, you know, as much as he's a beast, he gets injured quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, I think the one of the last, you know, real big chances ends up coming. Oh, sorry. Uh, in the 82nd minute, Odegaard ends up 
you know, picking up the ball on the edge of the uh, box. Pepe ends up, you know, was like laying the wolf perfectly off for him. Uh, then the Norwegian ends up ghosting through the Everton, def- Everton defence. And I mean, with a finesse finish, just passes the ball past Begovic, 5-1 Arsenal. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, how, okay, could, could you imagine this game being so comfortable if we were one point ahead of Spurs going into this game? Or, you, or do you think you'd probably end up biting your nails off because yeah. Arsenal couldn't string probably two passes together? No, I mean, you know, also the flip side, I was just thinking, what would Everton have done if this was going to be a decider for them, whether they stay in the league or not? I think they would have probably played this, you know, out of the skins to get themselves, you know, something out of this. Um, then, like the third minute, Pepe ends up letting fly on the edge of the box. I mean, fantastic shot to keep him also a good save. And I mean, you know, for me, it was such a weird feeling watching him letting fly from outside the box and, and I mean, forcing the keeper into a good save. Uh, you know, this is probably Pepe's last kick of the ball for Arsenal in, in Arsenal colours because things I think will now start fast tracking with him also, you know, especially with him now having a new uh, football agent able to get him a, a move away from the club. Yeah, he just never hit the ground running, you know, like like there were moments where I was, you know, behind him, there's other Ooh. moments where I was, you know, just like maybe we should sell him, but... You know, you, you, I think he's more suited for a counter-attacking side, you know, a team that turns the ball over and off they go. Because other than that, you know, he, he's not good at really beating somebody at, you know, standing pace and just going in. Because he only kind of has that one trick to him where he cuts inside and that's it. Yeah, I was going to, as I mentioned to you before we did the podcast, um, you know, bring up the talking points. But I think I'm going to go straight into... Uh, the player ratings, and then it's all like you know, almost a kind of circle back into the yeah, point section. So, um, I'll give you my ratings with uh, you know, we'll go now from goalkeepers and defense mids and, and strikers or forwards. Um, and then I mean, I'll give my number, you give yours, then yeah, uh, I mean, you can add a little extra if you want to just you know, a little short thing of what are you would know, yeah, why you came up with the rating. Um, first up uh, will be uh, Ramsdale. Um, I gave him a 7 out of 10 for the season. Uh, started very well. And then I think errors started to come into his game. I don't know if it was like overconfidence or stuff. But I mean, especially when the, when the team, the defense was getting shaky and fatigued, when you now were looking at him to kind of bail us out, he was also, with the other sort of, uh, you know, a reckoning sort of uh, style of play, which was kind of. Costing us in certain games, not all games, but I mean, he was because for me, one game that stands out with that error that he made is I don't know if it was in the Carabao Cup or in the league where he ends up getting beaten at his near post, where he actually looked way more in control of it, of you know, getting you know, a, a, a solid end on the ball. But I mean, there were numerous games, I think, against Liverpool where he also lost his nerve in, in certain games with his passing up because I think Liverpool just. Play such a fast high press that it puts anybody under pressure. I mean, I'm not just saying it, it, it's happening, it's happened to him, but we've all seen the way Liverpool do high press. I mean, you, you really do struggle to get out. Yeah, I know, 100%. I think, um, I, I, I don't know, are you going to do, are, do, are we doing Leno? I mean, he's. I have Leno, you also rating like average one, probably. Okay, so. I, I, I'm going to go with um, also seven with Ramsdale. I think it was the Liverpool at league game, I think, when Jota beat him at the near post. And yeah. also that, that game against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup where 
I don't know, he seemed so far off his line and then he couldn't even make his way back for that deflection that also was a crucial goal. And like you said, you know, he's, he's kept us in a lot of games, but there are a lot of times, you know, where he said, like, he lost his head a bit. But, you know, that being said, for a first season, I thought he was really good and reliable. So, I'll give him a seven. And Leno, for me, I would say about this 6.5. I mean, he did well against the Villa game, but there wasn't really a lot of games where, you know, he was playing a run of games to actually judge him. The first... First three games, you know, he didn't do too great, but he also didn't do too bad. Uh, I'm going to go with a six for, for, for Leno. Yeah, this was my number for, for Leno because I think he was exploited in that, that first game against Brentford. The Chelsea game, I think it was just the defence that let him down because, I mean, he was trying. And then, I mean, uh, was it the City game, his last game for us? Yeah, and then he, they lost 5-0, and I think he probably... Yeah. He probably played a few cup games here and there, yeah. and then, but like I mean, it was not anything to write home about. I think that Villa game was probably, you know, the reason why I probably got bumped up to a, a, a six because, like, you can't really judge him for, you know, he did well when he came yeah. in. So yeah. So I think like people that, that weren't playing that huge of a chunk of games, roughly they the number will be almost like in the ballpark like that in the average like a six. Um, for me, uh, in defence now, uh, Tommy Yasuo, uh, eight, uh, fantastic signing. Um, for me, injuries was like for me the biggest letdown of him. I don't know if he was, you know, being overworked and overpushed by the club because uh, not not because yeah, I know we had like, one game a week, but I, th- I think every time he had a sort of that recovery phase, he almost like, got kind of rushed back every time, and I think he couldn't really rest and. and we didn't have that much alternatives, I mean, but for Cedric, really. Okay, uh, for, for me, Tommy, yeah, so also eight. Um, you know, not, I, for me, he became a favourite player from a guy that, you know, I said, why did we sign him to, you know, Mr. Consistency on the pitch? So, yeah. um, I, I was happy with him. Eight, Cedric, I'll give it 6.5. Uh, um, I'll give it 6.5 as well. Because as, as well as he did, he also made some silly errors which never needed to happen. So, yeah, for me, that for the right backs, I think like 8 for Tommy Asso and 6.5 for Cedric. Yeah, then the uh, centre-backs, I'll mention all three in a row then. Uh, ben White, I'll give a 7. Uh, I thought, I mean, he started off a bit shaky. Then, I mean, he started getting into, into a decent run. And then it's all like he started veering off badly the last the last, say, five or so games of the season. And I think that was, like, where it also started letting us down. And and also, I think he started struggling with Gabriel. I think it was also down to fitness because I think many a time, I think he was, was like, pushing himself, even though he had, like, these little niggles. And because sometimes uh, what was concerning for me, I'm somebody, when I watch a match, I try to almost, like, keep a, a view on, on, on everybody that's playing. Every now and then, you would see in certain games, he's either shifting his knee around or he's squeezing the back of his hamstring and you can see it's like somebody that's just playing week, say every week or whatever, but he's not really, uh, you know, getting any sort of respite. And, but I'm not saying, again, not making excuses with a, a one match a week, but I just think at times the training probably looks like it goes even harder in on them, you know, so by the time they almost like look near naked when they have to, you know, play again the next week or whatever, but I mean, that's not just my opinion. Then, uh, Gabriel, seven, um, for me, had uh, some good moments, but I mean, some of the bad moments, I'm like, they're stuck in my head because 
there's numerous games I've seen where we ship goals where his lack of like we misjudges the ball or he doesn't jump like he doesn't time his jumps and you know when you watch say somebody like Virgil van Dijk that guy is almost like nine out of ten times he's spot on with his timing of his jump or his timing of attacking the ball or whatever but he's not gonna allow the ball to bounce and then for me it's that is like schoolboy errors that, that that Gabriel does at times where he has in his game. Uh, Rob Holding, 6.5, I think almost like most reliable, really, but for the, the Tottenham game. Um, me, uh, the centre-backs, I agree with both Ben White and Gabriel. Both sevens. You can see they're still a bit inexperienced. I mean, Ben White was with silly fouls at crucial games. I mean, yeah. Crystal Palace was a game I can think of. And there was another game where he gave a needless foul. And I think we conceded because of it. or Almost near did. I mean, they still have a lot to learn. They still have to grow as a pair. Gabriel, like I also gave him that because, like you said, he was either going to have an excellent, stable game at the back or he would have this rocky game where, you know, you have to kind of keep your eye on him because it seems like everything he does, he does with nervously. So, he kind of had a patch like that last season as well. But I think, you know, he scored quite vital goals. So, seven there. And Rob Holding, like you said, he probably would have maybe gotten a higher for me, but I'm going to give him a six. Yeah. That, that North London derby was a stupid red yeah. card to give. And I think Ben White was forced into that Newcastle game because they, uh, they after, you know, he didn't even make the, the squad, I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the Everton game. So yeah. I'm going to give him a six. And then I'll go on to the, the left-backs, Tierney. I'll give a 7.5. You know, injuries, you know, did take a bit out of his season, like unnecessary, um, you know, playing for Scotland. But, you know, we did miss him. You could see that hole that was there once he left because he tracks back and, he, you know, he creates a lot of chances from us on that side. He gives the defence a lot to think about as well, especially those overlapping runs. And then, you know, Tavares, I'm going to give him a five because he started off very well. You know, maybe the shape doesn't suit him, the four at the back. But, you know, there were just so many errors, so many crucial moments where he switched off. And, you know, he started becoming a frustrating figure for me more than, you know, someone I enjoyed watching. Yeah. Um, for me, Tierney, I'd give a six. For me, injuries has like, caused a chaos in our season. Um, I just felt, I mean, yes, he had good games in it. But for me, at times I felt he was also part of that, that inconsistency where when you want to depend on him, it's either the, the fitness thing that's going to be a big issue where he can't cope. I mean, yet he plays, you know, he's also off for, for, for Scotland. That was kind of the thing that was irking me somewhat. Um, yeah, I, I just find... Uh, so also going to be a, a point of mind that I want to bring up in the talking point section also regarding him. Um, Nuno Tavares, I mean, I give him a 4 out of 10. I mean, for me, pure chaos. Yes, I mean, of course, he gave us some a bit of laughs and, and does cause a bit of chaos in games. But I, I just think, you know, imagine you still had a European campaign and you have this guy as a, as a backup. I mean, he's not following really instructions given to him right on the touchline. And I think sometimes we, we, we he's almost like kind of jinx as well. It's like you've got Arteta right there on the touchline and you play on that flank at time, like, in, like for a half at least for, in the match. So, I mean, you, you hear, like, you know, you know that eyes, all the coaching staff, everybody's eyes are on you and then you're going to keep on making, you know, error after error. And, I mean, I think that it's the, the thing that, that caused a lot of 
issues for me. And I think that is why Arsenal are looking now at, at, at uh, you know, uh, alternate left back to Tavares, probably always backup. Because, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's certain games, it's the things of his game I like. But I think it needs to be fine-tuned and, and somehow he has to be ranging because he's, I want to say he's an all-action type of guy, but I think he's almost like too hyper in the game. Maybe it's a, it could be of the season, his first running in in a, a league like, like the Premier League. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I hope he can alter his game to still be part of this team, but I mean, I, I, I do have my doubts. Um, with regards to midfielders, Karana Chaka gave seven. I just think, I mean, of course, I think he kind of steadied the ship at times. I mean, of course, he did let us down early on in the season. But, I mean, I just think he sort of mentality that did kind of pull us into that top ten also. Because I think he knew exactly the sort of, you know, what was needed. And same with, with Thomas Party. Uh, I mean, I, I give him 7.5. For me, I would have given it way, way higher if that injuries... Because, I mean, I just find him... Uh, there's also another factor that's going to come in the talking point section, but I just find at times there's certain things of his game where he just gets injured too quickly. And, yeah, as I said, I'll bring it up further in the next part. Uh, El Nino give a seven. I mean, for somebody that barely played for the club, I mean, he kind of held the ship together when it looked like there was leaks all over. Um, I would regard him give a seven. I just think uh, there's certain aspects of his game, yes, I like. But when 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 it really mattered again, when we wanted to see a input a performance in against Spurs, a performance in against uh, Newcastle, and also in that that, that run of three defeats against uh, Palace, Brighton, Southampton, they just seemed to go to absolutely able because by the time Vieira figured out how to play, he really looked poor in the game. We at times I think that Southampton game, I think, or it could even be the the that Palace game. We, I didn't even know he was playing at times because the game was just going all around him and he was just running into blind alleys by himself. Uh, Smith Rowe, uh, 6.5 um, for me, very underwhelming. Um, Lokonga, uh, 5.5. I mean, I expected way more because I still thought he was really kick on from that, that running head in the squad. But, but I think you can't also blame the player because Arteta also made it very difficult for him like with chance getting less and less. So yeah, that was my pitch. Okay, so Xhaka, um, a, a seven. Mr. Like you know, Mr. Consistency and reliability. I mean, with party being uh-huh. he carried a lot, uh, like a huge burden on his back, and also you could see the difference with party once Xhaka wasn't there. But you know, he's still there's still parts of the game that you know that he was a bit lacking, losing his head sometimes. You know, needless fouls. But you know, he was. You know, I, I was happy to see him in the team whenever he was in the team. Um, yeah. Party, I'm going to give an eight. You know, yeah. uh, could be a bit high, but no. um, I just feel that when he, when he played for us, you know, his, his presence was so immense of how he dominated the opposition that I think if he had been there throughout the season, I think, you know, that's the reason why also I think I'm giving him an eight because if he had stayed in the team, I think, you know, who knows, we could have probably be at top four. It would have been a different story because he's quite dominant. Um, Al Nene, I'm going to give a 6.5. Mr. Reliable as well. Um, yeah. He just played too little games for me to push him a bit higher. But mm. when he did come in, he seemed like the only guy that maybe listened to Arteta. Arteta said, like, you know, don't go past the halfway line. He wouldn't go past the halfway line. So you just needed some players to carry out the instructions. And I think 
maybe that's why he's been offered a new contract because you know he's not a very, he's a very humble player and sometimes you need those in a squad. Um, Odegaard seven. Yeah. He, his first part of his season, you know, I would have probably pushed him up to an eight to a nine, eight point five even, but he tapered off very badly yeah. towards the end. I think after that run where that three games where we lost off the bounce, it just seemed like he had no idea. Like you know, he lacked creativity. He didn't know how to change his game to to kind of um, yeah. combat the, the way people were, you know, you know, closing him and smothering him. Smith Rowe was six. Um, you know, started off very well as a top scorer for a long time. But I don't know what went wrong. Whether it was Arteta playing him in the wrong position or whether it was, um, you know, him just not getting that fitness level because you always just see him, you know, exhausted after a certain point in a game. Um, then Lakonga, I'm going to give a five because, you know, first part of the season, like, you know, maybe the first four games, five games, or whenever he came into deputies, he did okay. But there were just certain times where he seemed lost in the middle of the park. I'm not sure if it's a thing that will be proved on because this is his first season. Or like you said, you know, Arteta never gave him much game time, just threw him on when he was desperate. Yeah. Um, did I get everybody or am I missing yeah, somebody? You got the badge, you got the badge. Um, now, forwards, um, like I said, uh, I'll give him a five. I just felt I mean, the minute we didn't, you know, turn to the transfer window for the January window, I knew already we were going to have issues because you just did not see... I mean, you even saw, I think, some months thereafter where Arteta almost lost his head there where he sends Laka on to add an extra body up front. And when you looked again, Laka Zeta's playing in holding midfield positions. I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, you've got a instruction from your coach and you keep on drifting yourself back. At times it's almost like you don't focus on his own game. We must not think, okay, I, I'm gonna at least be an outlet for them if a you know a root one ball comes my way. But I mean at the end or, or how many times wasn't it so frustrating for us watching Martinelli or Saka come, you know, draw the defender to the touchline, drive they drive themselves into the box, then they look up for the option as a like, you know, to lay the ball off. And he's not even anywhere close to the box. And I thought to myself, I mean, it's crazy for somebody that you ended up paying like a few years ago, uh, 50 million for a forward to, to tank off that bad. And I mean, it's not even veering off. He literally tanked off really bad. I mean, I think the, the alarm bells were already ringing when, you know, Aubameyang was already starting to outperform. That is, I think, we also should have reacted or, or somehow found a way. Um uh, Eden Ketia, give him a 6.5. I mean, he kind of chose him at just the right moment to, you know, uh, get a sort of decent run of goals and games. But I, I mean, again, it was forced, you know, because I don't think Arteta, if we had now some frontline forwards, I don't think he would have been, even been in the reckoning there. Um, Pepe, a 4.5. I mean, a really disappointing. I mean, as you said, you really do well on the guy or, or wish him well for, for everything. Like, when he was in Arsenal colours, but I mean, you just don't see it clicking. I mean, sometimes it just happens to to certain players. Um, then Martinelli, I give a 7 out of 10. Uh, I think, of course, a lot of things he can still improve on for next season, like especially with the timing and, and also that the way he finishes. And I mean, for me, at the end of the day, Bukaya uh, uh, Saka, 8.5, I give me, he's actually my player of the season. Top in goals, top in assists, and uh, top in player ratings for you know match uh, consistency. So 
That's not my bitch. Um, for me, um, Edin Ketia is 6.5. Yep. Um, you know, he, he could have done better. Yeah. But, you know, like the first part of the season, I was so frustrated when I saw him. You know, I, like, didn't enjoy, like, I was like, you know, if I saw him, I was like, oh, no. They, they after, um, you know, he came right, but, you know, it was a little too late. But 6.5 for me, like I said, 5, I mean, he offered nothing when he was on the pitch. So, it was, you know, frustrating because I wanted him also to do well, but, you know, he just didn't do it for me. Martinelli is 7.5. You know, he he made defenders really panic when he came up against them. He made them think. So, you know, his finishing let him down a bit here and there. But for me, 7.5. And then um, Pepe, yeah, 4. Not, offered nothing for me. Like, besides the Wolves game, there was nothing else I could talk about. And then finally, um, Bakayo Sako, 8.5. Probably my player of the season because if it wasn't for him, we probably would have struggled a lot more otherwise. Yeah. Then, I mean, my uh, rating for Mikola Teta, I find uh, uh, I give him a seven. Um, I mean, there's part of me that she wants to give it lower because um, there's part of, of his coaching thing. I mean, yes, you can see that the, what he's trying to do and, and then get the sort of a different sort of culture and mindset going in the team. But I just think at times he needs to be a bit more reactionary when we we go down it because the way he has set up the team at times. I mean, for, like even now, like right now, as I'm not talking to you and the listeners, it still boggles the mind when I think how he he goes like three, he changes formation three times, which normally like most teams, some are just a little bit of tweaking can overpower the other team, and yet against Newcastle. Newcastle don't even change the way they're playing. They just play the same way for full 90 minutes. We change our formation and tactics three times in a match and we can't even make a, a dent into their defence. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to give Arteta 6.5. Yeah. Because, you know, a 7 probably would have got me Champions League football. 8.5 yeah. gets me, you know, a trophy and Champions League. But no 6.5 because I think he fell short when it really mattered. And, you know, that probably comes with experience. Um, then, you know, like pundits and podcasters, you know, reaction to, you know, ending for uh, fifth. Do you find it valid or not? Like, with the, do, do you think we um, overachieved, underachieved? Or I, do, I think we, 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 we met a target. I mean, yeah. we probably, in the start of the season, you say overachieved. At the end of the season, where we were, you say underachieved. So I think we are where we are because we, we deserve to be there. I mean, you know, we lacked certain things. I mean, we are a team, we weren't consistent. We played in moments, we played in patches. We won eight games, maybe in a row, lost three, won four, lost one, drew one, won three again. So, you know, it's not going to fly if we're going to play like this in, um, you know, if we play and be in European, European football and while in the league, consistency needs to be key. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the point that I also wanted to make is I, I was like, you know, having a bit of question marks on, on Tierney and uh, Thomas Party. Uh, look, I don't want to be controversial or anything, but do you think a person must also look at maybe sort of long-term replacements for them? Because 
yes, I know TN is still young, parties or so, like, you know, just in the prime. But I mean, I, I, I mean, I honestly hope it's just like a first, like a first season thing for party, uh, like a real, f- you know, first full kind of season for him. But I just think they are very injury prone, and I mean, it, it really concerns me, especially when you're going to be fighting on four fronts the next season. Um, how do you, how, like, how would you go about it? Because I mean, it, it seems party can do so well and whatever, and then it's not like a minor thing that he gets bumped wrong or, or, or falls wrong. And it's all like put a span in the works for your whole team. And then uh, you get Kieran Tierney as well. We, uh, 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 I think it, uh, I like it built up to that whole thing with his knee because he had him like stop, start, stop, start at the start of the season. Then he would play. Then he'd be out for a, a certain thing with like an ankle or knee tweak or whatever. Then he'd come back. He looks strong. And then, and then bang. Like, you know, you don't crash like gradually. It's just immediately crash to the bottom. So what, like, how would you go about that with, with the two of them especially? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think you would need to get reinforcements who who are going to be much better. Of not much better, you have to get reinforcements who can complement them. So if they do decide to fall away, um, and they'll get injured, you'll have readily made replacements like who can fill in and do a job, <laughs> not like a Lekongi or a Tavares, but someone better. Yeah, I mean, that has actually been my... Because I, mean, I, I just think also, like, if, if we could sign up uh, that, that um, Aaron Niki, it would actually be also a decent sort of backup. That, that's almost like, almost like on par with Thierry, like in, in in stature, even though he's only, like, was it 21 or 22? And then, I mean, also somebody, like, you know, a, a midfielder that, that can be almost like on par with party, but physically, you know, can handle the rigors of the Premier League because... At times, I just find certain aspects of his game really, you know, lightweight. I mean, he's fantastic when he's, you know, dominating a midfield and, you know, like just gliding past people. But I think, like, sometimes, especially impact injuries, he, you can see he suffers a lot. Yeah, I know you can, yes. And I think we need to sort that out going forward. Yeah. So, um, just with us, before we wrap up now, uh, we're going to do another podcast next week. It'll probably be the last before we go on a break. Um, we're going to probably do like, like a season review, plus also analyzing, you know, our best moments of the season, goals, etc. Um, and as I said, now we're going to probably, gonna, after that podcast, we're probably going to be, you know, almost like on holiday for about a month, a uh, month and a bit probably. Uh, probably all of June, we're not going to really do uh, pods. I mean, just for that, as I said, the last one. Uh and then probably come back in sometime in July. I mean, you since you're doing a tour in Europe in July, you're probably gonna be here with me or beside me when we're doing a podcast live. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys also have a fantastic, uh, you know, a weekend coming up. Uh, just take care. We'll probably update you guys as we go along. Probably next week, give a bit more info about how we go about things. But yeah, Aiden and I are probably gonna do also a, a like a live podcast together. When he comes to visit me in Germany. So, hope you guys take care. Enjoy. Bye. Okay. Cheers, guys.